Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we interview women executives, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And you're listening to the Well Woman Show, where motivated women achieve fulfillment and well being. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Take time for myself by coming to things like Well Woman Drinks, to be accepting of myself no matter what. Step away from judgment as much as possible. You're listening to The Well Women Show. Just, you're going to be in for a good ride. I don't regret anything. Everything I've ever done, I've learned from it, one way or another, good or bad. Being a little bit selfish for yourself, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first and then give what's left. I'm a woman. I would prefer to, to tell my own story. My story, though it's very personal, is universal. You're listening to The Well Woman Show. And now your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hi, Giovanna Rossi here, and welcome to another episode of The Well Woman Show, where I interview women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs about their lives and their road to becoming and being who they are today. Are you at the top of your game professionally, but feeling burned out, or finding it hard to focus on your goals, or unfulfilled personally? Or are you in transition, simply juggling so many things, you find it hard to take care of your own needs? Well, you're not alone. We all need to activate the four universal superpowers— These are the internal strengths and abilities we all already have, but don't use all the time. Superpowers can be cultivated, and they include awareness, intuition, action, and acceptance. Toward the end of the show, in a segment called Superpowers for Success, I ask my guest about her superpowers, and the answers will give you the strength, perspective, and power to live a well-woman life. I'm so happy you're here, so thanks for tuning in. This episode of The Well Woman Show is brought to you by Collective Action Strategies, supporting organizations that support women and families, and by Well Woman Life Movement Challenge Quiz, your resource for living your best life. If you're in burnout or major transition, this is your time to figure out what's holding you back from making the changes you need to make in order to live your fullest, most joyful life. The cause of all of our challenges, personal or professional, can actually be rooted in the lack of internal superpowers and or external supports. Our Well Woman Life Framework tells you which stage of the Well Woman Life Cycle you're in and what to do about it so you can truly live your best life. You can find out more at wellwomanlife.com quiz. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green healthy lifestyle publication. And for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. Hello, hello, well women everywhere. This is Giovanna. I am sitting here in my co-working space because I had to get out of the house because it's summertime all day and all night at my house right now (laughs) because the kids are off school and my husband's off school. Uh, He's a teacher and... Um, they're just like playing and goofing and goofing around all day long and all night long, which is awesome, except that I can't get any work done. <laughs> so I, um, I have this fabulous little co-working space and actually I'm the only one here right now. So, um, there's a pretty loud cooler. So I don't know if you can hear that in the background, but I just got back from podcast movement, which is the biggest podcast conference in the world. Um, There are other podcast conferences around, but I believe this is the biggest one, and um, I've been going to it since 2015. This year, I was a speaker, so that was super fun and exciting. 
Um, and for the last couple of years, I've been doing a Well Woman Drinks event. It's our signature event that we do with Well Woman Life, but I've been doing it at Podcast Movement. So that was super fun, too. Met tons of awesome, badass women doing really great podcasts and great projects. So I'm back in New Mexico and just um, getting settled long enough to then leave again to go to Atlanta at the end of the week to go um, speak at the U.S. Breastfeeding Conference. So um, that will be fun. Uh, That'll be just a short trip, just kind of in and out to do that. I'll have the chance to see a very good old friend of mine. She's going to take me to a swanky restaurant, and we're going to dine and be merry. Um, Anyway, I wanted to let you know that, um, let's see, we have our website is up and running for sales for ticket sales for the superpower retreat now so if you haven't checked it out definitely head over to wellwomanlife.com slash retreat and take a look at it it's september 9th and 10th we are doing a full day deep dive into um your superpowers and your life and how to know when know which stage you're in of the well woman life cycle and what to um what to do what tools to use to move through that stage so you can get into the flow stage which Um, I'm sure you've all experienced, but we don't always stay in flow. We often move into burnout or transition, and it becomes really difficult to get back into flow where everything um, seems to, you know, tick along and we achieve our goals and feeling good and all of that. So um, definitely want to share this um, amazing retreat with you, September 9th and 10th. We're partnering with um, the Business Journal here to bring you the Leadership Summit on the 10th. So you get to go to both events. It's at a beautiful venue. Um, So check it out, wellwomanlife.com slash retreats. I think it's retreats, uh, plural. Wellwomanlife.com slash retreats. And... um, Today on the show, we're talking about integrating and applying traditional knowledge with Nicole Gonzalez. And um, Nicole is a Navajo woman who is trained as a nurse, and she has a master's degree in nurse midwifery. She has... um, basically been practicing traditional healing. Um, It's been a part of her life as a Navajo. Um, And she attributes her accomplishments to the many prayers and ceremonies done on her behalf as she was growing into the woman she is today. Um, While obtaining her graduate education, she realized that her traditional healing practices and philosophies about quote-unquote health and wellness were really vital to the care she was providing as a nurse midwife. 
And so um, she, she says that it is with this deep understanding and respect for our way of life as indigenous peoples that my worldviews are based on and are reflected in the projects I participate in. And her primary goal is, as a nurse midwife, is to keep birth sacred and in Native communities by integrating and applying traditional knowledge. So this is a fascinating conversation with Nicole Gonzalez, how she uses traditional practices in her, um, in her practice as a nurse midwife and some really amazing things she's doing in the field of nurse midwifery. So um, we talk a lot about um, supporting women to be who they are and supporting women on their own terms in this interview. And um, when we get to the superpowers for success, she shares some really, really deep, uh, interesting um, things with uh, with the audience. So definitely want you to listen to towards the end when we do the superpowers for success. And um, without further ado, here is my interview with Nicole Gonzalez. Welcome to the program, Nicole. Hi, it's nice to be here. Nicole, as we heard in the introduction, you um, have a, a many uh, credentials as a, a health care provider and a nurse. Um, can you also introduce yourself the way that you introduce yourself in Navajo? Yeah, I usually when I'm visiting with my community, I would say, Shay Nicole Gonzalez Nishin, Do Tochini Bashishin is Gaisoi Dishiche Nanasteja Dishinale. And I live in San Aldefonso Pueblo with my husband and three children. Okay, great. Wonderful, beautiful. Um, I wanted to start, you know, this conversation by asking you to talk about what you are working on and how does it impact women's lives and well-being? So I'm actually the founder and executive director for a nonprofit called Changing Woman Initiative. And we are working on the nation's first indigenous uh, woman-led uh, birth center and wellness center to be built on Native American tribal land. And our hopes for this space and this building and this work that we're doing is to address a need to integrate cultural, traditional knowledge around child birth, pregnancy, and mothering, as well as parenting. Uh, what that means is integrating language, um, plant medicines, ceremony songs um, as part of the healing process and healing journey that they're on while they're pregnant and transforming into mothers. Um, as a midwife, I see lots of women for other women's health issues like, you know, pap smears and well woman exams for mammograms and those sort of things. Mm. Um, and so we're really blending this Western model of healthcare with our tradition and culture around our bodies. Okay. And your, um, your customers are going to be Navajo or would it be open to, um, like everybody? How, like, how is that? How does that work? So our, our, because there is no other place like this, um, there are actually 
two other birth centers in Española and San, um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, that serve all women. Um, our focus is to serve Indigenous Native women, regardless of tribal affiliation or um, IHS location. Um, we are focused on serving that population. However, we are open to serve all women, assuming they want to come and receive care with us. And just for listeners, IHS is Indian Health Service, which a lot of Native Americans have coverage under. Um, so you talked about a blended model, taking the Western medicine and blending that with Native traditions. Um, has, can you talk a little bit more about what that would look like? And how has that been done before in other areas of medicine or other, you know, other things? Right. So as a nurse midwife, I work in the hospital setting. And so I also work with women in the clinic. I see about 15 women a day on average. And um, and so really decolonizing that process for me as a midwife and integrating our traditions and culture around care is really coming from a perspective of wellness and not pathology management. Like a lot of medicine today is about disease management. There's not a lot of prevention or integration of ceremony and, and plant medicines as part of that process. And so a lot of times an issue I run into in the hospital setting or in the clinic setting is I just don't have time with women to talk about their nutrition and to talk about integrating ceremony. And, you know, what that looks like would be um, a thorough assessment of kind of the resources they access already or need. Um, if they have a medicine person they go to for any type of ceremony, um, would be trying to engage with them to be part of their wellness and healing, or at least part of their pregnancies. Um, and there are plant medicines that are indigenous to our communities that support our health already, but not everybody's aware of them. And so reintegrating those type of that type of information into their care um, is not done in a clinical setting right now because a lot of the clinical setting is, you know, you get a 15-minute visit with me maybe, and there's pharmaceuticals, and of course there's guidelines about what can and can't be shared in that space, whereas in a birth center or outside of the hospital or clinical setting, you know, we have the opportunity to create a space where there's time to talk about those things, maybe an hour um, but also really dig deep into this the individual's kind of history around plant medicines and cultural knowledge around their bodies. Um, our communities each have teachings that relate to our culture as women and how we live today with our land and our communities. And so going back to those teachings um, and those uh, ways of life, is kind of the basis of our care and what we're building it around. Um, historically, there's lots of information and research about our pathology, meaning hypertension, diabetes, obesity, high pregnancy rates, teen pregnancy. And so one of the factors that contribute to why those things are occurring for us is, you know, there is a health literacy issue. So there's not a lot of explanation for things being done to us or education about medications. A lot of how we've learned has been through storytelling and talking circles. And so 
we're using that framework to educate women about their bodies and about their pregnancies, but looping in the traditional knowledge that's already there from their communities as a way to teach them how to how to um, how to be thoughtful about their pregnancies and this transformation that their body's going through. And um, prob- yeah. probably it seems to me that you would also be um, supporting women to uh, access and use the knowledge they already have. Right, right. So that would be part of kind of our initial engagement with them about what they know and what they have already. Mm. Um, obviously we're going to serve multiple tribal native indigenous families, not just um, indigenous to New Mexico, but other communities outside of New Mexico and the traditions around birth and pregnancy and motherhood are all somewhat different. And so we're really creating a space that even if there's things we don't know, that they can bring those elements into their care without limitations that one might have in a hospital or in a clinic setting. And that would be, you know, time understanding. Um, for instance, you know, smudging and cleaning a space with cedar sage or sweetgrass is a common thing that we would do before we um, would birth a baby. And so it's hard to do that in a hospital if there's oxygen and there's smoke and then there's a lot of requests to bring these elements into that space. Mm -hmm. Um, So the space that we're creating is you wouldn't necessarily have to ask permission. That would be the normal. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, um, there's a lot of permissions being asked in general in a clinic hospital setting. I hear women ask to go to the bathroom. Can I get out of bed? If you are formally, if you're really in your birth space, you don't necessarily have to ask permission. You just get up and move as you need yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to create a more comfortable space for women and families yeah. so they don't have to ask permission. It's their space. So, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a whole um, movement of birth, like a birthing you know, movement. I don't know exactly what it's called, but I know I've, I've talked to women who are really working uh, to change some of the norms inside Western medicine. But uh, what you're doing is even further and deeper work, which is to really bring it back to your community. Right. And so if you think about the things that contribute to our outcomes around pregnancy and just health-wise, like as I mentioned, statistically, Native women have diabetes, hypertension, obesity. But we also have a long history of food insecurity. And so, what would it look like? What would our health look like if we actually addressed those health issues from a community level? For instance, you know, we're starting to work with local Native farmers to bring fresh produce to the women during their pregnancy so they can have fresh produce from their land. Mm. but also cooking education, integrating traditional diets that would prevent them from being obese and diabetic, which is a very different diet than what we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that integration piece. Um, but also, you know, naming of our body parts, our uterus, our ovaries, you know, those are named by men of history. That's historically science. If you define or name it, then you can it comes after your name. But traditionally, we have 
native names for our body parts. And so integrating that knowledge again so that they acknowledge their bodies as being a sacred mm. um, body life and not just biology and tissue. And so, Nicole, how much demand for your services, you know, is there? Uh, because I imagine that a lot of women will really look forward to doing this. And then there might be some women who, you know, might be fearful or or something of not doing it the way that, that they have always been told to do it, even though that's not actually the best way. Right. So generally, there's definitely a type of woman who would access and decide to birth outside of hospital. Traditionally, um, you know, Native women actually make up less than 1% of of the population who access birth services outside of hospital and birth center. Part of that is cost related. Um, the other part is like their concerns about safety. Mm. So part of the work that we're doing now is establishing the stories and the relationships with our community that, you know, the work that we're doing is safe and, and would be a good thing for them. Yeah. But, you know, there really isn't a comparison they have to what they have through Indian Health Service or through a medicalized birth pregnancy um, journey they would get at a hospital. So yeah. there, there is a saying in some of the literature I read about Native women's health is, you know, all we've ever had is Indian Health Service. And so what does, what does healthcare look like on our terms? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what, uh, where are you in the process of building the birth center and how, how is that going? Like, how's the funding? How, like, when do you expect to open and all, all of those kinds of details? Well, despite some of the amazing, um, support we've gotten in the last three years um, since I st started doing this work. Um, it's it's an amazing amount of work. I mean, it's it's amazing for me to say this is groundbreaking and this we're the first. But the other side of thing of being the first is creating every part of that process leading up to the opening of the center. So one aspect is trying to train Indigenous midwives to work alongside me um, I'm only one of 20 Native American nurse midwives in the whole country. Um, wow. And so I have to actually train another Indigenous midwife to work with me at the center. And the plan is to open a school or some sort of training fellowship so that we, we can increase the number of Indigenous midwives working with us, but also serving their communities. Mm. Um, that's one. Uh, two is we're actually in the middle of program development to serve the women on their terms, meaning we've had talking circles with eight of the Northern Pueblo communities about birth and pregnancy, tradition and culture, plant medicines and lactation. Um, and it's been a really good dialogue we've had with community about what their ideas of what their healthcare could look like for them, um, but also um, the work we still have to do to create a program that supports them where they're at. Um, and so that's happening right now. Um, there is also the challenge of building a birth center on tribal land, mm. which is many challenges because it's government property. Um, it, 
we still have to work with a tribe to lease the property to us and then decide on who's going to own the land versus lease it to us. Um, we do have some backers interested in funding the building, which is going to be $7 million. Um, but we're still working that relationship with the tribes. And the interesting thing is that the tribes that we're looking to build this place on um, are all in different stages of development. Some of them haven't zoned their land. Some don't have access roads. Some have water issues. Mm. Um, and so we're really looking for a place that already has the infrastructure to manage a building like this, meaning clean water and electricity and sewage and access roads. Um, and so it really feels like a third world project because we're having to think about all those things. Mm. Um, and people always ask me, couldn't, wouldn't it be easier just to build on private property, like, say, like Santa Fe? Um, it certainly would, but the point of the work is to, to ask these questions and to do the work so that if another woman from another community ha would, ha would like to build a birth center on their tribal land, we kind of have the framework of how to do it. Yeah. Um, and so that's one aspect of it. Um, we still have a goal of opening um, in 2019 in the fall, um, but we're still in negotiations, um, introductory negotiations with several of the Northern Pueblo tribes right now about building this space on their land. Um, the support has been really positive. Everybody wants it. It's just a matter of what's the best place for it. Yeah. I mean, you're pulling off a major, huge project with so many different variables and players. It's it's really um, going to be uh, impressive. And we have different fundraising happening simultaneously for the building, for um, an Indigenous fellow to even now transition. Right now I'm in transition to opening a one-day clinic in Powake oh. where I will see women um, one day a week um, as well as transitioning to home birth. I get lots of requests from Native women in Santa Fe, Albuquerque, the Naval Reservation, Taos mm. to attend their home births. I just don't have the capacity working in a hospital to do that right now. So that's in the works. Oh, wow. um, but also we are setting up uh, an MOU to work with Esperanza Shelter in Santa Fe to provide women's health care to women in the shelters because they're not able to access health care the same way as we, everybody else can. Right. Um, and so we have some big projects. Uh, we're raising funds now in the next couple of months so that we can start to do the work that we have set out for us. So the end project is the birth center, but there's all this other work yeah. leading up to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Nicole, I want to move us on to the segment called superpowers for success to really talk to you about you, your leadership and you as a as a woman and as a leader. Um, so the first question I want to ask you is what does success in life mean for you? Success in life for me means the commu my community gets its needs met through the work that I'm doing. Okay. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? Oh, 
I don't think there's a defining moment that I'm like, this is, <laughs> I'm the best at what I do. I feel like um, the skills and the knowledge are evolving always with each encounter, each challenge. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the best, most qualified person to do this work. I feel like our communities are full of resource experts in their own right, and I acknowledge that in them. Um, I tend to think placing myself in an expert position is kind of a sign of patriarchy where I'm above everybody and I don't see myself that way. Yeah, so maybe not seeing yourself as better than, but just when did you personally, Nicole, feel that you were like really good at what you're doing and, you know, which which helps you build the confidence and the resources and the planning to, to take on what you're taking on? I think I have a lot of faith um, in our community's ability to heal from trauma of the past. And because I have the skill set of a nurse midwife and I've worked in a private practice, some of that business sense that I've learned along the way can be used in a manner that would benefit my community. Mm. And so really what drives me to work so hard is knowing, again, that I'm bringing a much-needed resource and a form of healthcare that is really needed. Um, and that's really important to me. Yeah. Okay, and then thinking about how you you know, have so much going on, you're in incredibly busy, you have a family as well. Um, what kind of personal habits of your own contribute to your well being? My habits. Um, I'm a very traditional spiritual person. I grew up with a family who prayed in a teepee, we went to powwows. Uh, we had medicine people we would go to to help correct imbalances in our spiritual and mental emotional health. So I adhered to my practice of prayer every morning with my corn pollen and my cornmeal. Um, I smudge myself uh, and cleanse my home. Um, I do that with my office space, knowing all the energy that women come to clinic with. Um, that's really what's been keeping me strong to do this work is to be able to pray to our ancestors for the strength and the courage and the clarity to do this work, um, but to do so in a way that's positive and helpful and not degrading and overpowering for those that are part of the work. Mm. Um, and, yeah. And what... Um, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? Belief that I could do it. Just yeah. belief in myself that it could be done. Where do you think that comes from? Uh, I think that comes from the many barriers and challenges I've just faced in my life as a woman um, that I've had to figure out a way through the problem, around a problem, um, without a cheering squad sometimes, 
um, without the support that you would expect to get from loved ones. Um, you know, there's this self-reliance that's been instilled in me from along from my childhood that that's where that belief of like you just either that you just have to do it you can mm. um, I believe it's the same sentiment I feel with women in childbirth who just have this knowing that they can birth their babies despite the pain despite the exhaustion yeah, um, what is that all about? Capability and their bodies to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I actually experienced that myself my, with my first birth, and um, it, but it, but I needed my midwife to also believe in me. Like when I knew that she knew I could do it, then I was like, oh, I can do it. Um, I think, you know, if you're lucky enough to surround yourself with the people who have this unwavering belief in you, mm. especially in childbirth, and that's why many of us women who maybe had a hard life or challenging life with family or other circumstances we have no control over, you know, we know about this kind of unwavering belief in ourselves to overcome something very difficult and how pulling that out of women in their most difficult times is sometimes being the very loud cheerleader at birth or sometimes just being that silent person next to you saying, you can do this. Yeah. Um, and so I think those of us maybe in leadership, you know, learn that early on and we become that kind of voice, not just for ourselves, but everyone who works with us that they can do it it's possible mm. um, I think too is there's this level of discomfort that we are comfortable with as women um, I know for me I just completed a f marathon last year oh, wow. um, and it was I could swear it's as, it's as painful as childbirth mm. <laughs> um, wow. and and but there was still this voice in my head that I just had to finish that I you know despite the pain and discomfort like you just had to get there mm. um, and I feel like women pull from that part of themselves when it comes to doing difficult things especially childbirth um, and so I use that a lot to kind of push through the work that I do yeah and then what about women who you meet who really just don't they for some reason cannot access that part or don't you know have the tools or don't want to um and they and so it's it's about supporting them on their terms yeah so and that looks different for all of us um if there's a woman who feels like her body couldn't do that without pain medication like i would i have and do support her decision-making around her birth and her choices mm. during childbirth. Um, I think that's very empowering to have someone by your side or on, in your team, you know, having this unwavering support no matter what decision you make. Um, there isn't a right or wrong way to do it. It's, it's about trusting yourself and so if I pushed a woman to birth unmedicated and that's not what she wanted 
um, I was, I feel like that's building mistrust with this individual about what she's capable of. And that's not what I want. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you, um, what advice would you give your younger self, say 10, 15 years ago? Um, I would give myself advice that have the courage to stand up for yourself and make the decisions that make you happy and don't apologize for that. Mm. I love that. We talk a lot about that on the Well Woman Show, not apologizing um, and not using apologetic language so much. Um, Nicole, do you identify as a feminist? I identify as an indigenous feminist, which is a different framework than the other kinds of feminism. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, liberation as an indigenous woman doesn't mean I leave my home and stop working. Um, Liberation as an indigenous woman means that I can still participate in community traditional activities alongside my working activities um, equally without discrimination. Um, I feel like the Indigenous feminist framework addresses a lot of harm done to Indigenous women historically around identity and body and um, sexuality, um, trauma. And I've certainly used that framework for healing for myself um, because that is my history um, and my lineage. I come from three generations of um, sexual and physical violence in my family. Um, and so being able to understand why those things happen and recognizing that I'm not a victim, not nor am I a survivor, but rather an individual for this um, strong need to thrive and survive and be authentically who I was meant to be before the harm was done is kind of what I seek. Mm. And it it sounds to me, and and maybe you can elaborate on this, but it sounds to me that you're actually using the Indigenous feminist framework for your work now, for your birth center. Yes. Um, There is a lot of Native women who experience trauma and are re-traumatized as they become mothers. And so working with them in a way that understands their history and respects who they are at that time, not pushing a healing framework that they're not ready to accept um, is really paramount and to building trusting relationships with them. Mm. I mean, ultimately, it's it's their end goal to be whoever they are striving to be um, through their through their pregnancy and their mothering. Um, and there's already a lot of criticism uh, in our societies about what kind of women we have to be or should be or be ashamed to be. Um, and so again, it's it's supporting women to be themselves on their terms. Yeah. Okay. Final question for you: uh, What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? I'm actually reading several books, um, but right in front of me, I have this one called We Are Dancing For You. It's um, a Native feminism and the revitalization of women's coming-of-age ceremonies by 
Kucha Riesling Baldi. Mm, okay. Uh, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. We always link to people's um, book recommendations. And um, it's, so it's called We Are Dancing For You. I can look that up. Yeah. Yeah. I read a lot of books. I like to read. Um, but really, the scholarship of indigenous feminism, feminism is probably one of my favorite topics. <laughs> mm, I love it. Okay. I'm writing it down. Um. Nicole, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. I want to thank you for being on the program. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join us. Our monthly live event, Well Woman Drinks, brings women together to share our successes and challenges as women, leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend a Well Woman Drinks near you, or if there isn't one in your city yet and you'd like to start one, email info at wellwomanlife.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wellwomanlife. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.